and welcome to the Amputee Show podcast. I'm your host, Aristotle Domingo, and joining me today are three unique individuals who has one thing in common. They are one of the first Canadians to have undergone osteointegration surgery, and they are all here to tell us about their journey and experience with this life-changing procedure for amputees. We will meet them one by one, but please welcome Peggy Humberg, John Prin, and Jason Simonek. Welcome to the podcast, everyone, and thank you for being here. Well, thank Thanks. you for having me. Thanks for having me. Good. Let's start with let's start with you, Peggy. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, and if you can give us a little bit of background with your amputation? Okay. So I previous to my accident, which occurred uh, in 2012, I was a avid mountain biker and participated in the Ontario Cup races. And my husband and I decided that we were going to enter ourselves in the BC bike race, which it says seven day stage race in British Columbia starts in Vancouver and go and ends in Whistler. So I took it upon myself to hire a personal trainer to help me with my training program. Um, and that started in October of 2011. Um, and I worked with the trainer um, and at approximately uh, Beginning of June of 2012, I was starting to taper off of my training program and I was out one day uh, doing an easy run and I live near a shunting yard in my town. And I was running along the side of the trail, which is the, the, the Welland Canal. And then there's the railroad tracks and there's a dirt path and the train went by, I saw it, I saw the caboose, and then I stepped out in front of it, and there was another train coming the opposite direction. So the conductor of the train called 911, and I was run over by a train, and I, my leg was uh, trauma amputated. I only have a 23 centimeter femur left on my leg. Um, I was air freighted to uh, Hamilton Trauma Unit, where I went undergo underwent uh, significant uh, trauma surgery. Um, I also broke my pelvis. It was a bookmark break, so when I landed on the side of the tracks, my pelvis went snap, and so I had to have a, a fixator on my my pelvis while I was uh, recovering to stabilize my pelvis. I also lost one finger. Uh, I must have. I must have. I have post-traumatic stress. My brain has completely blocked out the episode. So I must have reached back to try to pull my leg that I tripped over the railroad tracks, and the train ran over my finger as well. So I spent uh, June, July, and parts of August in the Hamilton Trauma Unit. Then I was taken to Niagara Falls Trauma Unit, where I waited for the fixator and my pelvis to heal. And finally, the fixator was taken off. And then I went to Shaver Hospital for my rehab and was walking again with a socket uh, in December of that same year. Uh, John? Okay, for, 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 for me, I, was, um, uh, I lost my leg uh, when I was 40 years old. Uh, we had a, a farm cut your own Christmas tree operation. And I was out in the uh, field doing some uh, mowing with the, uh, with the tractor. And something came loose on the power takeoff. I went to have a look. My pant leg got caught in the power takeoff, and I uh, quickly uh, ripped my leg off. And uh, 
was lying on the ground, and I and I thought, am I going to lie here and die, or uh, I or had to jump back up on the tractor and ride to the house. Uh, so that's what I did. I jumped back on the tractor, pushed down the clutch with my hand, uh, drove back to the house, and uh, and I jumped off the tractor, and uh, I was laying on the ground, and I started screaming. Uh, my wife and kids were in the house. <laughs> So my wife came out and she saw the blood all over the place and her first reaction was, is this some kind of joke? <laughs> so, but <laughs> it was pretty real. So they rushed me to uh, uh, first to Welland Hospital and then they transferred me to uh, hospital in Toronto. Uh, this happened on, uh, I think it was July the 6th of uh, 1993. And uh, so they brought me to the hospital in uh, Toronto. I stayed there until uh, September, and uh, uh, that's when I first got my leg. So really, I started really first uh, walking with my uh, prosthetic leg uh, in uh, October of uh, 1993. Uh, it was an above-the-knee uh, amputation, and um, yeah, and so that's when I uh, started walking with my suction fit. Uh, uh, in about October, and uh, gone, uh, gone on. And Jason, I was 14 when uh, when I lost my my leg in a in a car accident. Um, so that occurred in the summer of 1988 when I was I said when I was 14. Uh, I was a uh, a tourist in the Dominican Republic, and uh, so while I was there with my mother, uh, I was visiting with uh, with some other tourists. And we're involved in a uh, in a car wreck. Uh, I was in a bus with with eight other passengers, or seven other passengers rather. And uh, we we broadsided a uh, sugarcane truck, and many of the um, the people in the front had had pretty severe injuries. I suffered a, a broken knee and a broken ankle. I was transported to a, a local uh, hospital. I, I guess it's. A lot of that is is uh, is very cloudy, um, and then I went to uh, I was transported to a a, a larger regional hospital to, to spend uh, two weeks there. I had uh, arterial bypass surgery to try and bring some life back to to my lower limb, and uh, so they did what they could uh, uh, given the situation there. I was flown back to Montreal two weeks after my my uh, the, the initial accident. And within 24 hours, they, they had amputated my leg at the Montreal Children's Hospital. Um, so I've been an amputee for over, over 30 years. And uh, initial sockets, you know, were, were unpleasant and uncomfortable initially with, with wool uh, liners and, and belts and, and, and then on to uh, total contact. But... Uh, Happy to be here today and, and share my story a little further. So you all have different lengths of time that you've had the amputation and when you had the amputation. I think, Jason, yours would have been the, the shortest one traveled between your amputation and your osteointegration. Is that correct? Or is that Peggy's? That would be me because I was 2012, 2016 for this osseo. Well, okay. Sure. I'm the shortest window, yes. So I guess my question would be, how did you guys find out about osteointegration? And we'll research. start with you, Peggy, because you're... Research. So I worked with uh, the people at the Shaver Hospital. 
um, mm-hmm. where I do my rehab. They did a, an amazing job with my socket. He actually kind of invented a socket for me because my limb is so short. So when the train ripped off my leg, it also took a lot of the hamstring. So there was a lot of uh, skin graphing on the back of the leg. So the sock, the leg was very organically shaped. It wasn't a typical diabetes leg where it's very cylindrical. It had a negative value on the back because the, the muscle was damaged. So they actually took a 3D image of my leg and created a plastic second, like a three-dimensional image of my leg and created a socket on the negative value of the uh, silicone liner. He added extra silicone. So now my leg became cylindrical, but my, my socket was very thick on the back to make up for the void that was on the back of my leg. But then once the leg became cylindrical, the socket fit much better. I never got any gasps of air and lost my socket suction, um, but I was still having a lot of problem because my limb is so short and the attachment area is so small. Um, they had to do a very high pressure ischium containment socket, which means it pushes on your sit bone and causes a lot of discomfort. You know, you cannot sit comfortably, as we all know, with the ischium containment sockets and I couldn't sit on my bicycle seat. So um, I was in a lot of discomfort. So mm-hmm. that's what made me research osteointegration. And for you guys, Jason and John? Well, I guess I heard from it from uh, Peggy. She first informed me about it. And then I also heard from uh, where I get my prosthetic uh, limb, Niger Prosthetics. And uh, I was having the issues too with the uh, the fit of the, uh, the socket on my stump, and I uh, found it difficult and painful to walk. I was having skin issues and uh, a bunch of other things, and I was using um, the wheelchair more and more. I had uh, I'd been in the, socket, uh, in the socket for about 25 years, and it was uh, just wearing. Uh, I had some uh, uh, sores on the skin and all sorts of different issues. Peggy was seemed to be doing so well with it, and uh, yeah, I guess I could say uh, she led the way. She convinced me that it was a, a good way to go, and um, yeah, so we, we decided to go ahead with it. Uh, for myself, I, um, I had done a bit of research uh, several years ago, actually, and, uh, and just, just out of frustration trying to, to, to figure out different options for, for sockets and, and, and technology that are, that are out there. And I happened to come across, uh, you know, some images of, uh, um, uh, I think the, the Swedish or Dutch uh, uh, patients who, who had had it performed years and years ago. And it seemed like, uh, like very experimental and, and uh, like a Frankenstein kind of uh, process at the time. But it really intrigued me. And uh, so I had, I had actually reached out to Dr. Turcut, I think this is going back 10 years now. So I, I, I found out that he, he was um, involved with this uh, way back and he had done like a, uh, a sit-in on, on one of the surgeries in, the, uh, in one of the European countries with, with, uh, with staff there. And um, so when I kind of, you only discover these things because there's, there's small little medical articles published, uh, you know, that, that it's, it's not widely known. So 
I had, I had to really dig and, and figure out who this doctor was. And I, I maybe overstepped my bounds and, and went and found his, his, um, his, uh, his email address. I sent him an email. It probably ended up in his, in his junk box or something at the time, but, uh, I was, um, expressing my interest in, in bringing this to Canada probably about 10 years ago and, uh, nothing ended up coming of it, but I, I kept, um, I kept at it with my, uh, just following it on online and seeing that, uh, it became a, a huge thing in Australia where, where Peggy's, uh, um, had some success. And, uh, also in Chile at the time, I think, uh, uh, little known that Chile was actually performing these surgeries too. So I was considering uh, flying to Chile to, to do this. I didn't have any contacts set up or anything, but I kept with my, my prosthetist uh, uh, and just, just you, you feel bad because this is their craft and this is their, this is their livelihood as well. So, you know, whenever I would mention that uh, I was uncomfortable and this and that, uh, it, it, I don't know, in, in some ways I felt like I was, I was, um, uh, taking away from from the the skills that they have and and uh, um, but I think it's it's a it's a, a lifelong journey and and they understand that uh, people grow and and shift and and even within a day you know your the volume changes within your stump so um, so I kept uh, discussing this with with uh, my prosthetist and sure enough they they basically said that they were actually going to Australia to do a second uh, um, visit with uh, Dr. Medeiros uh, in April of 2017, I believe it was, or, or earlier. And uh, so they came back with, um, I think, uh, a handful of staff that had gone and uh, done kind of a, a shadowing of, of their process and procedures there. And um, that's when they started their, their clinic in Montreal. Uh, they needed a few initial patients. I was among one of the first that they that they had uh, come through their clinic to to, uh, to verify, you know, for for candidacy of of their program. And um, the I mean, the real challenge after that was was funding and getting you know, the, all the red tape uh, cleared away with with the governments and whatnot. So it really came down to a. Uh, uh, case of finances and and uh, bureaucracy here in Quebec um, eventually I, I was scheduled for surgery on uh, January 27th 2017 I'm trying to figure out the dates now uh, no 2018 and um, the, uh, the that surgery was was promptly cancelled within two weeks of um, my date so that was quite a disappointment I started a, a letter writing campaign to various levels of government, um, provincial government, federal government, to try and bring some attention to this. And uh, eventually the, the uh, vehicular insurance company, because I was a Quebec resident involved in a car wreck abroad, uh, were insured for, for, uh, for healthcare if, uh, if ever you're involved in an accident. So they, they conceded after a year of several letters and pleads. Uh, I even had Dr. Uh, Abra um, from the IRGLM go and, and advocate on my behalf to Quebec City. So they were they were instrumental in, in getting this uh, moving uh, for for patients in Quebec and and Ontario and the rest of Canada. 
So yeah, uh, so I've just been over uh, a year and three months now, I think, since surgery. What I wanted to, because you guys briefly talked a little bit about why start the research, and maybe I should have started with that. Like, what prompted you to look for an alternative? And Peggy, you touched on it a little bit in that the socket is just not working out for you. So, in my conversations with other osteointegration patients, is just that was always the main concern. And and me as a double baloney amputee, I'm not wearing my leg right now. Well, my right one, because I have cysts and blisters on the back of my knee i'm an active runner so when i do those long run distances or when i ride my bike for a while i could be of no leg for a week or two because my the injuries or if you will the reaction the adverse reactions of me being on my socket i guess what's the tipping point for you to say you know what there's got to be something else me it was my back so because i was such a high ischium containment socket um, I want you to think of the ischium containment socket being pressed on your sit bones, which is at the back of your body. Um, and you sit on your sit bones, that's why they call them the sit bones. But there's so much pressure exerted to the sit bone uh, to keep that socket from, from your limb bottoming out into the socket. Mm-hmm. Uh, it causes a lot of pressure. Um, it's quite painful, is constant pressure. Me being a cyclist, I know what sit bone pressure feels like. I've raced and and done that, so I understand. But but to have it 20, almost 24, 16 hours a day, it becomes an issue. Uh, Also, your body dynamics uh, get shifted to the back of the bus. So to counterweight that ischium containment socket, you stick out your belly and arch your back. um, And you use your back a lot to walk. And I was seeing and feeling a lot of back pain in that that put up the warning bells to me that this is not going to work for me. So that's what made me and pushed me into looking and researching into osseointegration. I didn't mm-hmm. want to be wheelchair bound. Right. And John? Yeah, for me, it was the, it was the similar issues. Uh, I was having a lot of trouble with the fit of my socket. And a lot more, uh, as I got older, I was uh, 66. I had the operation last year, the osseointegration, integration, and I was losing a lot of uh, muscle mass on my, uh, my stump. It was getting thinner and thinner. Uh, I had issues, a lot of issues of sitting on the socket. So, a lot, yeah, I did the same thing when I sat down. I often took my leg off, and then I was in the wheelchair uh, more and more, especially in the house. I would come in the house if I was wearing my leg or I'd right away pop my leg off and use the wheelchair in the house and, instead of uh, walking around. And uh, even outside, I started to do uh, less and less walking over time. Uh, I still did a lot of uh, uh, bicycling with my uh, socket, and uh, that worked out well, but the, the cycling really didn't uh, build up the muscle mass in, in my stump. And then I was also worried about the strength of my bone, uh, 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 that was weakening over time. Uh, all those things together, uh, uh, with the overall fitness of, of my stump, I thought, yeah, osseointegration was to was the way to go. I was hoping it would build up my muscle mass again and maybe get some bone strength back in there. And uh, that's why I went for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Jason? For myself, uh, so being an amputee for over 30 years, uh, you, I mean, you, you 
they're, they're kind of milestones, but for me, it was becoming opposite. Uh, and, and it was becoming very apparent that, you know, my, my level of activity was declining and, and uh, my quality of life was, was at peril uh, as well. So I think uh, 20 years ago, like I said, uh, I, was, I was often walking without um, any aids or, or canes or anything. And then uh, it just became a little more difficult. So getting around ambulating at work, I, I started walking with a cane. And uh, that, was, that was a hard, hard, uh, hard thing to accept is that you're, you're suddenly less able than you were previously and uh, through no fault of your own. It just becomes like a, a, a spiral downwards at that point where you're, you're less active and uh, it, you, you can go less, less distance in a day and uh, really just, just, you know, it, it becomes like a, 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 a kind of a, a depressing situation where you, you just can't find your way out of it. So, um, and uh, I used to hop around without crutches or canes with my socket off too. And uh, that caused uh, probably more damage to my sound leg than, than not. Um, my ankle and my knee and my sound leg, you know, were, were often in, in a great deal of pain. And I just couldn't wear my, my socket around my house too. So I would really only wear my prosthesis uh, outside the house, going to work or going, going to public events. Or, but um, often the first thing I'd do after coming home would, would be to, most people take off their shoes. Well, I would, I would take off my leg along with that. So, you know, and it's, it's really uh, unfortunate, but it's, it's no way to, to live your life either. I think we can all agree that, that it's, it's, uh, there's got to be more to it than that. I just felt that, uh, you know, I can't continue on like this. So i gotta mm-hmm. got to figure something out, whether it's a, a different socket design or what have you. And, um, you know, fortunately, osteointegration was, was my way out of it now. All right. And, now, you know, hearing all you guys say that, I guess I'm going to ask you guys, what was it like looking down at your residual limb and now... The adapter piece, or you could correct me the, for the name of it, is sticking out of your residual limb. What went through your mind right after that? Was it a sign of relief going, I don't have, to your point, Peggy, I don't have to ever sit on my sit bone again. And to you, John, you know, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but what was that reaction like? So I had my surgery uh, November 2nd, 2016 in Australia and the second day after surgery, they already had me weighting the bone. Uh, The first time I weighted it, uh, there was no pain. And uh, it felt so, it felt like so much freedom that my leg was not encapsulated and squeezed with tension to keep this leg on. It felt very liberating. My leg could now feel cold and heat uh, where previously, uh, and it was in the middle of the winter and I was wearing shorts because you don't have as much surface area being an amputee, so there's not as much perspiration. So your your body temperature, to me, I perceived it as being warmer. I was always hot. So when I stood up on that that weighted scale and started pressing down for five kilograms, it was a relief that... I had finally got to where I wanted to be, that the pain was gone. And the rehab attaching my leg 
was gradual because the femur is very short. So I'm a little bit different than John and Jason. Because my femur is so short and because I am female, I'm at the time was 47, I'm postmenopausal, so my bone density is not good as a male. So Munjad made the decision to put a two additional screws up into my hip ball joint to keep the torsion from happening. So I'm just a little bit different. Then so the uh, the short femur um, caused the short femur was the result of the accident, but Munjad took it upon himself to add the extra screws to stop the torsion and the the case where if I caught my toe over something uh, that it wouldn't twist the twist the insert out of my bone. So yes, I've I had and now when I look down at the leg. I have no ill will about it. It, it just, it's the facts of life. I screw my leg on every morning and, and I always, I actually joke about it that I have my everyday leg, which is a genium. I have a kayak leg, which is a dumb, dumb hinge leg. I have a leg that I wear in the shower that my father made me. And then I have a bicycle leg. So I say to people, you shouldn't call me I have a disability because if I hurt my leg or break my leg, I just take it to my prosthetician to get fixed and I put on another leg. Or an able body, if you break your leg, you got to go to the hospital, you have to have a cast on, you got six weeks to wait before the bone heals. Not me. <laughs> I just put on another leg and walk out the door. So I always look at it at a positive spin to it. Um, there's no, I look down and I just face the facts that, yep, I lost my leg in an accident and I am one hell of a lucky girl that I can walk with no pain. And I am fortunate enough that I was an advocate for my health saying, this is not acceptable. I don't like it. What other options do I have? And if I have the ability to research what is good for me and it comes through, as being very positive, then it's a very positive spin on it. Mm -hmm. And John? Yeah, but I had the surgery on the, uh, April the 12th of 2019. And for me, uh, going from the, the, the stump and to the, uh, the day after the surgery, with like a golden uh, rod sticking out from my uh, bone, it, for me, it was amazing. And uh, I've never looked back on it. Uh, uh, my, my stump in the socket, it rubbed off all my hair, it was bare, uh, it was red, I had the skin irritation. And so uh, when I, got, I had the surgery, after a few weeks, my hair started to grow back, all my skin issues disappeared, uh, the sore in the, on the back of my, uh, my bum disappeared. It was, uh, for me, it was just amazing. It, it took me a long time uh, because my... Uh, femur was uh, so weak from being 25 years in the, in the socket, and I was uh, 66 years old at the time. My bone density was very low, so I had to stay uh, in Montreal. Dr. Turcotte did the surgery on April the 12th, but originally I was only going to stay there for a few weeks and then be sent back home. I had to stay in Montreal for uh, three months uh, because I had to do very gradual uh, uh, weight training to get uh, extra weight uh, uh, to strengthen my bone and my stump. So I didn't get to where uh, my uh, leg until uh, July or the end of yeah, 
July of uh, 2019. It took a, a, a few weeks uh, to go through the uh, training necessary. And the other thing it was, uh, it was quite painful for me uh, afterwards, after the surgery. Uh, I felt it for a long time, the, the pain from the OI surgery. It really didn't uh, subside until maybe November of uh, 2019. It went on for months. Uh, it was intense pain. For a while, I seemed to regret, I, I was thinking I regret doing this, the OI surgery, but uh, it, it took a while and the, and the pain did go away. Uh, here I am over a year later. Yeah, there's there's no more pain from the surgery. That that's all gone, and uh, so it's it's been good. And I, I would do it again. Uh, I yeah. always say people are, are very uh, mesmerized by the surgery, but there is a lot of preparation that you have to do, both mentally and physically, to the surgery. You don't go in thinking it's all rainbows and pussycats. It's it's a lot of hard work. Mm -hmm. Yes. And Jason? Originally, you know, when I had my initial amputation, I was, I was quite young and uh, just coming out of the, the cloudy haze. Uh, I had a, a, a prosthesis fitted to me during the, the actual surgery. So I woke up and I thought, oh, they were able to save my leg, fortunately. So like I had this m misconception right out of the, out of the gate that, that uh, everything was going to be okay. But unfortunately, you know, my, my aunt was there. My mother wasn't actually able to come back uh, on the same flight as me. So um, I, I had other family members to, to on my on the side of the bed to, to explain that, you know, no, unfortunately it was, you know, you did end up losing your legs. So that, that was initial disappointment. But after having the OI surgery, like Peggy said, you know, I, I had, uh, it's not just women who had osteoporosis, right? So after 30 years of no weight bearing, on, on my femur during my my um, scans with Dr. Turcutt, he said, he joked that I had the, the bones of a, a nine-year-old woman. So, it, you know, coming coming from a, a person in his, his um, early 40s, that it was, it was funny, but it, it, it also was concerning to me that uh, I, I felt I was probably the, the best candidate for the surgery um, in the running. But this this one thing was going to hold me back, you know, and there's nothing that I could do about it. But uh, we, we proceeded anyway. And uh, during my surgery, I had um, a split up my femur. So my recovery was probably uh, a bit longer than, than anticipated as well. So I had a, a crack right up the, the femur bone. And I have pictures to prove it too. Um, that uh, it just takes a bit longer. There were no additional screws or wires put in, but I just had to not put any uh, weight on it for, for a couple more weeks. So like John said, you know, the, the, the recovery process was quite long, but immediately after the surgery, I, I, I knew that even before going in there, having walked on, on my, my leg, I think uh, for the last time I was, I was so pleased that this is, you know, this is the last time I'm ever going to have to don this socket and, and be uncomfortable. Yeah. There's going to be a, 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 a long road ahead of me of recovery and, and with, with pain uh, to boot, but looking back now, um, there's no, there's no way I'd, I'd have it any other way. I'd, I'd, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Really advocating for yourself, I think, is important in in all of our recovery, really. And so, I'm really glad you guys shared that. Now, Peggy, your surgery was performed in Australia with Dr. Manjad. Can you share the detail of the process 
and perhaps including cost if you can or so, so you found him and then what was that like? like you found i'm gonna assume you found them online and then said i want to do this what's so what did it take for you from canada to australia so i i researched this the operation and i sent a letter to uh, the people in sweden australia um there was also people in holland that did it I sent them emails um, explaining my situation and I got a letter back from the people in, in Sweden saying because of my location in, in the world, uh, I would not be applicable for the surgery. I didn't hear from anybody in Holland and the people from Australia got back to me stating that they were coming to the United States for the Amputee Coalition show that is a yearly event uh, every year and that year it was in Greensboro, North Carolina. So I was invited to the show, uh, flew down, met Munjed uh, at the show. At the show, he was extremely busy with clients, and, and then he invited me back to his area. He had rented a home um, to have people uh, back after the show for a, a drink and some and beverages. And uh, I sat around the table by the pool. He, uh, in his discussion, sorry, er, in his discussion earlier that day, he said, he doesn't like operating uh, and doing osteointegration on any people that are not having problems with their socket. So that kind of deflated my ego at that time, thinking, well, I'm not really having any issues with my socket. It's painful. My back is causing me problems, um, but I can still walk. Um, and then that's only to find out oh, that's because of my determination that I wasn't going to let this get me. Uh, so when I sat around the table with Munjed, he said, okay, let me like cut your leg. So I took all my stuff off my leg. I wear a, a, a silicone liner. I have a plastic shield that goes over top plus the uh, carbon socket. And then he said, you have to wear all that. And then he looked at my liner and he goes, you have to wear this to have your leg. And I said, well, look at my leg. It's very small. I have scar tissue on the back. And he says, well, then you have a problem. He looked at my leg and said, yes, I would be a good candidate for it. And then asked me to send, uh, have some x-rays done and uh, other medical procedures uh, sent to him. Uh, his team evaluated that, yes, I would be a good candidate for it. Um, and that's when I started doing some uh, documentation for Ontario Health and whether I would be applicable to have some funding for me. So, uh, little Peggy goes off the deep end and does a huge report, and I had support of every one of my doctors. I submitted my 104 page report to Ontario Health in August, and by October, I found out that I was going to get some help with the funding of it. Uh, I also looked into remortgaging my house. Uh, my house was almost paid for. So my husband and I decided that the quality of life is much better um, and the risk taking this surgery. So I got on the plane knowing that I would have some funding for the surgery. We had to pick up all our additional expenses, our stay there, our airlines, our food, everything else. But the portion of the surgery was paid for. I had my surgery the 2nd of November, stayed there for 28 days, and then discharged to come back to Canada. Because my, my femur is so short, I had to have a very lightweight leg and walk with crutches. And like Jason, I had to have the bottom part of my femur split 
for the implant to go in. And then I have a wire banding around the bottom to contain the bone. So the, the draw on the leg with my genium would have been too much. So that's why they gave me a lightweight leg. And now that I use that leg for my kayaking. I was going to send it back and he said, oh, I don't bother. It's, it's, a, it's a used leg. Just don't. It's, so I use it for my kayak leg. Yeah, so I was there for 28 days, came home three months on crutches, and then went to uh, the people at Shaver, and they set me up with my genome. Now, the prosthetist in Australia did all the configuring for my genome leg while I was there, Stefan Lau, an amazing prosthetician, by the way, um, and he works with Manjid to have all his uh, people go to him for lining up any of the microprocessor legs. So osteo integration is kind of suggested that microprocessor legs uh, are a little better than a, a, uh, a hinged leg because you don't get the kickback. It's a small, a very smooth follow through, whether that, that can be achieved with a microprocessor leg or with an ankle, uh, depending on what your prosthetician. Um, so because I, I took it upon myself to go to Australia, um, I came back and had my leg attached at Niagara Prosthetics and Alan, the, the owner of Niagara Prosthetics, didn't tell any of his other prostheticians that I went to Australia. So he invited them in <laughs> to witness showing them the osteointegration. So I still had 50% of my staples still in my leg when I... Uh, when I was at Niagara Prosthetics. So the, the doctor, uh, Dr. McMullins, took out the remaining staples while I was there. And then I said to Alan, so do you want to see my leg? And I turned around <laughs> and I always laugh about this. So there's three men. And I lift up my skirt and all three of them dropped their jaw, dropped their jaw, 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 dropped their jaw. Like, look what you just had done. They were amazed. They'd never seen that. So after the, my appointment, Alan took the other prostheticians back into the, the tech room and said, okay, we now have a client that has this type of uh, ad ad attachment to her, her, their prostitution. We're now going to have to get educated on how to service clients, this client better. So they actually mm -hmm. went to Australia and, and did a two-week session with Manjit and his team. So you did get some coverage from the government here, yeah, the federal or provincially? Uh, provincial. Provincially. Now, John and Jason, your story is different in that you, Jason, you're local to Montreal, correct? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So you got provincial coverage through yours. And John, is that similar for you as well? No, I didn't get any coverage at all. I paid for it. Uh, we we uh, got a line of credit on our house and uh, we used that to pay for the surgery. Yeah, so my kind, I mean, if you want to hear my story, I went to, yeah, of course. Uh, I found out from Niagara Prosthetics uh, in, in 2018, I was going to get a new suction fitted leg, and mm -hmm. I kept going back and forth to Niagara Prosthetics. We couldn't get a fit with a, with a suction fit. Uh, my prosthetician, we did about five fittings, uh, nothing would work. I, I just couldn't seem to get a, a, a good fit anymore with the suction fit. And so he recommended that I contact can I, Dr. Can I just interject for a second? What's yeah. that? Can I just interject for a second? Sure. This is a man that cycled across Canada in a prosthetic, so he knows what he's talking about when he can't get a fit properly. So if he is in a lot of pain, he's in a lot of pain. Right. 
That's right. Yeah, it, it was. It was painful. I couldn't get a good fit anymore. So uh, my prosthetician gave me the name of uh, Dr. Turcott. I, in September of 2018, I sent him an email, and then he, he replied, and he asked me to come uh, there for a clinic. So I went for a clinic there in October of 2018. He told me I was a, a good candidate for uh, the OI surgery, and then uh, in uh, April of uh, 2019, I had the surgery. Uh, the, the surgery itself cost uh, $43,000. And then plus we stayed in Montreal for for three months and we rented an apartment there while we were there. So it, uh, and uh, we, of course, we applied to OHIP. Uh, they turned us down and we knew that ahead of time, even before going into surgery. But uh, we went ahead with it and uh, because we thought it was a, a good investment, I really couldn't get a, a prosthetic uh, suction fit anymore. So it really was the only way to go. Uh, to continue, I still wanted to be active. Uh, I was 66 at the time, and um, yeah, wheelchair. I mean, being in a wheelchair, it certainly uh, it limits the type of mobility that that I was used to. The cycling, the working outside, and uh, and no longer being able to fit with a, a normal. I mean, a suction fitted leg. Uh, osseo integration seemed to be the only way to go. And uh, that's uh, my wife agreed with it, uh, and uh, we went ahead with it. And Jason, it was already because the provinces approved it, or what was your? No, I, the provincial Medicare hadn't uh, hadn't approved it uh, at the time for me. So the, the, it, that actually came nearly half a year after after our surgeries. So. It was uh, it was a letter writing campaigns in in 2017 and throughout 2018 and um, so my surgery was in March of, of 2018 and it was just uh, two months prior to that that the the SAC had basically agreed uh, the SAC being S A A Q is uh, is our our provincial uh, uh, vehicular registrar and they have. Um, Personal insurance as well. Whenever you pay for an insurance on a vehicle, you pay a uh, you know 150 bucks or whatever um, for for uh, health insurance uh, with regards to vehicular accidents. So it ended up that they succumbed uh, to to an enormous pressure from from me and and the doctors, and they agreed to to pay uh, after you know. I would call them every week and write letters regularly too. So I became a, a, a nuisance and the squeaky wheel, you know, it does get the grease in the end. So with the help of, like I said, the doctors, uh, both Turcutt and, and Habra, speaking with, with them, they they uh, advocated that this is going to help me. It's going to extend my life and uh, give me a, a much better quality of life too. So uh, it was just a, a matter of uh, convincing them that this somewhat experimental surgery and un, unperformed in Canada at the time um, would would benefit uh, other patients. I mean, he had performed it privately for for two other patients um, before before uh, they had agreed to me. I was supposed to be one of the first in, in 2017, along with uh, one of the other two patients who were supposed to have the surgery on the same day. And like I said, it became like a, a bureaucratic nightmare. So. It, that was really disappointing for, for both of us. 
he ended up paying out of his pocket, the other patient, much like John did. And um, uh, I was prepared for that. I was, I, I had uh, basically, you know, figured out how to, how to acquire the funds myself uh, with uh, lines of credit and what have you. And uh, I wasn't going to let 40, 48 or $52,000 stop me from, from having a better quality of life. So uh, I was really prepared to go um, and do whatever was necessary as well. You guys all alluded to it from very early on about advocating for yourself and knowing what would be right for you. And I think that's really important for every amputee to hear really is learn and research what is available to you and what can be done. Just don't take it as a grain of salt and say, this is it. You know, I think a lot has to be said for advocating for yourself and questioning things and researching things and opening the conversation with everybody to say, I'd like to find out more about this. Now, I know Peggy and I had been planning on hand cycling across Niagara. And John, you cycle across Canada. And Jason, what's the active lifestyle like for you guys? Because again, I hear different conversation, pros and cons of the post-surgery itself. What is getting back to an active lifestyle mean for the three of you? Can I, do you mind if I start? Prior to my, um, prior to my surgery... Um, my amputation, I was 14. I was pretty active. I used to bike everywhere. I was uh, an avid skateboarder too, quite active, not with organized sports or what have you, but, uh, you know, I was always out either biking or skateboarding wherever I went. I always had my skateboard with me too. And then I even had my skateboard with me in, in the accident. Right. So, and that was, that was really a hard thing for me to, to learn that you know, I'm never going to be able to, to ski or snowboard or, or skateboard or, or, or bike. I ended up biking um, a few times after my, my surgery, but with the hydraulic knee that I had, uh, there was so much resistance that it became very difficult to, to do that. And I would find the, the knee couldn't keep up with, with the, the cycles, just, just the, the pedal would, would cause it to fly off and there'd be so much resistance. It was, it was more trouble than it was worth. And now with, uh, with OI and the ability to, to put my computer uh, microprocessor controlled knee into a, a cycle mode, I bought myself a bike this summer for the first time in 30 years. I've been biking with my, with my kids. You know, it's always been heartbreaking for them to, to have a father who's been just having to wave to them as they, they go off and, and do their, uh, their biking around the neighborhood. So now I'm, you know, I'm, it, it's really true what they say, you know, about like learning how to ride a bike once you know, you know, and it, even without a, your leg, um, you can still maintain your balance. And, and I found that getting back on there was, was really quite easy. It took me maybe, uh, you know, 15 minutes to really get accustomed to it. I had to position my seat properly, but uh, it was really liberating. And, uh, and so it's something that I do, you know, once or twice a week now with my kids, we go on a bike tour of, of my neighborhood and I'm, you know, my wife says that I'm I'm really pushing everyone to their limit, trying to keep up uh, with them, trying to keep up to my pace. So, uh, you know, I really I haven't had my my cardio up in years. So, it's really been uh, a, a great way for me to get back into a healthier lifestyle. And uh, it's so it's really I wouldn't have been able to do this necessarily without uh, without OI. I did try to do it with a socket and it would pinch and twist and it was so dis- uncomfortable that I just 
gave up after one one attempt on a bike. So John, I don't know how you managed to do it all the way across Canada with without uh, without much much pain or discomfort. But uh, kudos to you for that. So for me, it's it's been great just getting back into a, a more active lifestyle, um, being able to walk you know kilometers instead of um, a couple hundred meters. You have to you used to have to budget your your time, figure out what's my what's tomorrow going to look like for me. Well, I've got to go and do this and do that. So, you know, I'm sorry, friends, I won't be able to join you at night because I'm going to be totally burnt out and uh, I can't risk having blisters because because of this or that. But now with OI, um, it's just there's no uh, there's no restriction as far as uh, impact to the skin conditions or or anything like that. It's just how tired you might get walking and that uh, that. You know your your ability to to um, to go further is is increased every time you go out and you you, you walk a little bit further every day. Your your ability to uh, to endure increases. So to me, it's just it's been an amazing journey in the past year and a half. Wow, that sounds great, John. Peg, you're next, John. Hey, okay, we're gonna go backwards this what's, time. What's huh? the question again? <laughs> yeah. <we're- laughs> Well, getting back into active lifestyle. Oh yeah. Um, you already had an active lifestyle, so <laughs> what was it like going back into an even more active lifestyle, perhaps? Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, I did have an active uh, lifestyle, even with my uh, socket uh, in in 2010. Well, no, 2015, when I was 62 years old, I, I uh, bic- bicycled across Canada, and it ended up to be uh, an 8,000 uh, kilometer journey. Uh, over four months uh, with my daughter, uh, Sarah. And uh, so we averaged about 90K a day or so. Um, they took, uh, and we camped most of the way. We carried our own gear with us. We had panniers and, and we did the whole thing. And we went from uh, Victoria to St. John's. And it ended up to be uh, an incredible bike ride. But uh, ever since, even before I lost my leg, I was an active cyclist. And I found out that after I lost my leg I, uh, back in uh, 1993, I had uh, difficulty picking up my walking. So even before I could walk good, I got back on my bicycle. And, and I found that the more I cycled, the easier it was for me to get my uh, walking back up to speed. So right from the beginning, uh, back in 93, uh, 94, I was already back on a, on a bicycle. I found it improved my walking a lot. So the same thing after uh, my osteointegration uh, surgery, uh, the first thing I wanted to do was get back on my bicycle. And uh, I've been back on my bicycle a lot. I do a lot of cycling. And my walking isn't, uh, I can't walk for kilometers or or very, I'm not the best walker, to be honest, with, uh, even even after the OI surgery. I I fall. too often, uh, I recently fractured my uh, trochanteric uh, bone that sticks on out in my femur, and I haven't uh, worn my uh, leg now for uh, uh, almost five weeks because of the fracture. So, um, yeah, I, for me, I think uh, cycling is the way to go. I think it should stay on my bicycle and maybe not walk. Uh, as much, or uh, I, I, I should always be walking with a walking stick. I, I, I just 
I still have difficulty walking. Uh, cycling is great. Uh, if any, uh, for anybody uh, who I think with, uh, if they can get back into it with an amputation, if you can uh, cycle, it's easy on the joints. Uh, it, it's great for your muscles. It, uh, and I think, uh, well, at least for me, it's, it's been excellent. Yeah, I know. I just got on, on the bike myself just this summer as well as a double amputee. So, and Peggy, of course, you're into hand cycling. So you guys have kind of uh, instilled my love for bicycling. I have a very big mental problem with bicycling. So I am still not bicycling outside. I go on my trainer in the basement and cycle there. I am petrified of falling. That's it. I'm petrified of falling and what falling could do to the implant. And I don't want to go back there. So I even had my father, who's an ex-engineer, make me adult training wheels that can hold up a 120-pound woman if she falls over. The first time I got on that bike, <laughs> I was laughing at myself because I was scared that I was going to tip over and fall. I am absolutely petrified of falling. And I am scared that I, when I do get back on that bike, that I'm going to compare my bicycling to prior and post amputation, and I'm not going to be happy. Happy to me was getting on my bike and just carefree go for a ride. Um, so there's a lot of baggage attached to cycling for me right and i kudos to john because i keep saying how about i go over to your house and give me some walking lessons and you come over to my house and give me some biking <laughs> lessons because i am absolutely petrified i can't go back to where i was being in a wheelchair and in a socket now i used to be an avid downhill skier and i have tried mono skiing um, because I can't, osseo people can't downhill ski. That's a big no-no because of the torquing action of skiing. So I tried four tracking when I was still in the socket and I did well, but as soon as it got osseo, uh, I had to put downhill skiing on the side. I cross-country ski, and I ski with a sit ski. Uh, my friend Linda it was on the national team, so she's been coaching me for the last couple of years in sit skiing, which is all arms. So you sit in the little sled and, and push with your arms. That gets me back outside in the wintertime, and I thoroughly enjoy it. But downhill skiing is still an investment if I want to go into buy a mono ski, which were about $4,000 for the things. And I'm saying to myself, I justify, do I have $4,000 for eight weeks of enjoyment in the year? No. So uh, I've taken up another sport. I'm a big kayaker now. Uh, we do that in the summertime, and I go off-grid, uh, and I recharge my leg. I carry a battery to, carry, to cover my microprocessor leg, and I hand cycle. I enjoy that. That's good for upper body, which helps my kayaking. I walk everywhere. I walk my dog every morning. Uh, we go for, you know, 45-minute hour walk every morning. So, and there's, I'm back to my regular self, except for the biking and except for the skiing. 
Uh, that's that's great. I mean, that is still a fairly active lifestyle. You guys do a lot. I think we all do a lot uh, for ourselves to stay healthy and adapt uh, a healthy lifestyle. Now, uh, Jason alluded to this earlier about talking with people who may be considering the surgery, osteointegration surgery. So what would you say would be the pros and cons of somebody considering uh, osteointegration as an option? So I'll start with you, Jason, again, because you, you alluded to this about having to either convince or like, what would you say to them? I come to you and I say, I'm considering osteointegration. What, you know, a couple of sentences, I guess, what would you say to me to make me reconsider my options or look at my, my alternatives? Well, I, I don't think, uh, I, I would never discourage anyone from it. Um, in, in my position, I, it, was, it was a longer road of recovery than I, I had initially anticipated. So I think to set, set your expectations too high and uh, you need to be a bit grounded in, in reality as to what you can really um, tolerate as far as uh, uh, pain and, and recovery. So I, I didn't anticipate it. Like John mentioned, you know, it's quite a painful recovery, but that's me. That's all in the past. And I don't even, I don't remember it very much. I know that it was, it was all consuming at the time, but that's, that's just a small bump in the road. And now uh, it's not something that I even think about anymore about, about the, the pain during the, 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 the rehabilitation and the recovery. So anyone who's, who's considering it, I, I'm, I would really just encourage them to, to go forth the, you know, when you're living it, the, 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 the discomfort and, and all the recovery is, is it's, I mean, you can't see past the next day necessarily, but uh, having been um, through all that and a year plus into it now, it's really, um, I, I, I would, like I said, prior to this, I would never go back and, and, and tell my, my, earlier self, you know, you should never, you should never do this. I, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Like I've already said again mm-hmm. and again and again. And if, uh, if, if anyone's ever thinking about it, uh, you know, it's even weeks, just the two weeks after the surgery, I, I was already consulting with, with other, um, candidates. So I was in a lot of pain, still in a wheelchair, not even, um, weight bearing, but, uh, I just knew that it was, it was going to be, it was the right decision for me. And I would encourage pretty well anyone who's who's a, a candidate for it to go forward. It, um, it'll it'll change your life. You know, really, it'll mm-hmm. it'll make your life that much better. And Peggy and John, you guys, ahead, the same John. thing. Yeah, I, I have to agree exactly with uh, Jason uh, is saying that it, it, for me it was worth it. Uh, the uh, it, I, I did go through a lot of pain after the surgery, but I always kept my focus on. I knew what would be the end result that I would able to walk much better, would be much more comfortable. And I stayed focused, focused on, on, on that. And I would say the same thing to uh, any amputee. If, if, your, uh, if your residue uh, bone is, is good enough and you, have the, uh, you, know, you don't have uh, uh, diabetes or other conditions that, that would prevent it, that, yeah, go, go ahead with the uh, OI, the osseointegration, and... Uh, it, it, it's worth it, and uh, yeah, I have no uh, qualms about doing it at all. And I would go back and tell tell myself, yeah, it's going to be painful, but but it will be worth it, and uh, it will improve your lifestyle quite a bit. 
Right. I I wanted to mention that um, if anybody was considering OI, I would first look back at oneself and say uh, we need to invest in ourselves to make our life better. But also look at your support system around you, your husband, your wife, your family. Uh, make sure you have a good support system around you because you're going to be in some pain and your cognitive skills might suffer a bit. I might be angry one day and why the hell did I do this? Oops, sorry, but there's always where we're there. And uh, make sure your support team is good around you that you can venture through this journey. Uh, the second thing is for me, if you're looking, if you're having phantom pains and you're thinking this is going to resolve it, it will not. For me, it will not. I don't know what the other two can add to that. I agree with I that. I am still having phantom pain issues and I'm still trying to put my finger on why they occur. I still experience phantom pain as well. Um, I think. Uh... I had a, a neuroma that was removed during my, my OI surgery, though. So the sensitivity, I had physical distal sensitivity on my stump. Uh, I had a little J-hook with, with my femur. So a lot of that, all that, any, any weight bearing at the end of my stump prior to OI was, was like any, anything that would approach the end of my stump would, would cause me to, to get very anxious. And, uh, you know, so just living with, with my family and my kids, with my prosthesis off, I was very guarded, right? So um, it's, uh, it's, now it's, you know, people will tap the end of it and they'll think, oh my gosh, I'm causing them a great deal of pain, but that's, that's not really the case anymore. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's a total 360 is what I'm hearing from you guys, you know, from just that relief of, to your point, it sounded like it's more debilitating when you're wearing your socket because of that issue you had with your, you know, anything touching the residual limb. And now because your residual limb is free, you really don't have that restriction to, to Peggy's point earlier about now I can feel temperatures and I can feel air, you know, and I'm here sitting here imagining what that would feel like <laughs> as a double amputee. Cause I'm also wearing three layers of things. I'm hearing a sense of relief almost at this point, albeit that you're not resolved of, the phantom pain. But, right. but remember, uh, Aristotle, the, yeah. with osseo, you have something added that you don't have with the socket is you have osseo perception. So the brain from stepping on different surfaces is translated into the bone. And your brain begins to say, oh, I know what I'm going to grass or gravel or concrete or... Right, the feedback feeling, right. Learn that process. Right. Yeah, so that, I mean, obviously, obviously that's a, a bit better of an experience as far as feedback would be because you are now attached, if you will, is attached to your bone. And so you're getting that same weight bear on your bone as you would as a normal leg. So when I was in Austria and working with Stefan Lau, who's an amazing prosthetician with Munjed, he said to me, we as human beings think bones are a dead entity, dead entity and hold up our structure and when we, and they're dead, they're, they're non-feeling. But that's not true because when we break a bone, it hurts like hell. So the top layer of bone has a significant amount of perception of pain. So when you, when you attach a, an implant to that bone, 
that feedback that you're getting from information is picking up from the nerves of the, um, the sheath of the bone. Oh, absolutely. I, I believe that. I wanted to thank you for doing this. So what is next for all of you? Any advocacy work that you're doing right now or... I'll start because I was working with the Shaver Hospital because they were, they're instrumental in getting me back on my feet and I come and visit them all the time. I was starting a advocacy group called Niagara Adoptive Sports Network and I was going to be being, I was going to be asked to come into the Shaver Hospital and talk to people that have had a recent change of life, whether it's spinal cord injury, amputation, stroke, whatever. And then I would direct them to what? Sporting groups are available in the Niagara, and I was going to spearhead a uh, wheelchair uh, curling league uh, in St. Catharines. So that's until COVID hit, and that kind of put a kibosh in everything. That's mm-hmm. I'm I'm always about sports and getting back in, in into society, and and sports is a great way to connect with your community. Uh, meet new friends and so that's what my direction has taken me and for you guys john and jason yeah uh, for me i I, until covid hit i had been uh planning on doing a a cross uh, european uh bike ride with two of my brothers uh so uh, i was working on that and uh yeah I, i don't do any advocacy but uh so right now i'm mainly begging that uh busy on our uh where we, where we live here in Fontail, we got a very uh, uh, fertile uh, area here with uh, sandy soil. So I'm busy with the garden and uh, busy taking care of the property uh, outside. And uh, yeah, uh, right now that's that's what I'm doing. And uh, um, I'll probably get ready for next year to uh, try some uh, a long uh, bicycle trip. And Jason? Uh, yeah, for myself, um, being close proximity to the, the IRGLM, the Institut de Réadaptation Eugène-Gralindy de Montréal, that's where all the, uh, the rehabilitation is done. And uh, that's so uh, you'll, you'll, if you have the surgery in Quebec, you'll be transported here for the remainder of your stay where, where you have your inpatient care as well as uh, your rehab all, all performed in under one house. And um, so I, I had, even during my, my stay there, I had, I had uh, visited with other patients who were interested in the surgery. And I've, um, I, I've told them that I'd be happy to volunteer to, to speak to anyone who's, who's on the fence about it. And uh, even just in the past month and a half, uh, I did uh, happen to visit uh, a very popular uh, Facebook uh, amputee, double amputee. I'll refrain from giving up names, but... Uh, but uh, he's um, both arm and leg, and uh, he, he seems to be well on his way as well. Uh, and he may be um, the, the first double osseo uh, to be performed in, in, in Canada. So aside from, from the IRGLM, I mean, there are the Facebook groups that uh, we're all members of. The, uh, the Canadian Osseo Integration Amputees is a, is a Facebook group that... Uh, that Peggy and I have been on for for quite some time, and that's one where I think initially there was there was just a hundred members when I first started, under hundred members, and uh, it was really a good source of information and uh, just to reach out to other other people as well. So there, there's quite a number of of amputees who've had the surgery abroad and and now within Canada who who are members of this group, 
and uh, everyone there is willing to, to lend a hand and, and help out uh, volunteer information or or just uh, share what their experience was what it's been like uh, if asked. So it's been a great resource for, for people like me. Sounds good. I mean, this is great. So thank you guys again for being here. Oh, I and, wanted to oh, add one more thing. So yep. because I am the Australian route, don't think that I don't get the support back here in Canada. So this last October, I wrote a letter to Dr. Turcotte and now Dr. Turcotte is my support system. So if anything happens, he's now my go-to person. So if you take the Australian route and you're Canadian, there is that back backfall that if something happens, um, you have Canadian support. That's great information. So again, thank you guys for doing this interview with me today. I think many of our Canadian listeners will be paying much more attention to what is available to us. We know it is already available in Montreal through Dr. Turcott, and there are various funding routes that an out-of-patient or out-of-province patient can access to have the surgery. It literally sounds like a game changer, and I thank you all for sharing your journey with Austria Integration with me today. I will post all your links on my website, www.aristotledomingo.com. And again, what an amazing and brave story. And certainly folks can learn so much from what you guys shared today and how we can embark on Austrian integration here in Canada. I think it should be a procedure that is offered as an alternative to those who are great candidates for the procedure. It really sounds like a life-changing, like I said, and can offer a better quality of life for members of our community. I want to thank Peggy Humber, John Prin, and Jason Simonick for joining me today. I will post their links on my website, like I said, at www.aristaldomingo.com. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any comments or podcast ideas, please connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at The Amputeo Show. Until next time, I'm your host, Aristotle Domingo, and this has been The Amputeo Show Podcast. Mm-hmm.